Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Real Talk, the film podcast from the Stony Brook Press. Uh, I'm My name is Dylan Gallo. I'm a culture and satire editor for the press, and I'm here with my co-host, Carmela Casara. Hello. My name's Carmela Casara, and I am the co-host. I'm excited to do this episode today, and um, I'm going to introduce you to our panel of guests. And here we go. Uh, hi, I'm Sydney. Uh, I'm the science editor and a news editor at The Press. Um, I'm just here to talk about movies, the whole point of the podcast. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Sophie. I'm not an editor for The Press, but I have written a few pieces, and I'm very excited to be here. Yay! So, for today's topic, we're going to be talking about coming-of-age movies and the genre as a whole. I feel like it's a very um, it's a very interesting genre. It's been around for quite a while, and people are still flocking to theaters to see new movies. Everyone really liked Lady Bird when that came out. Book Smart, Eighth Grade was another big one. Um, I feel like something, you know something that's been around for this long obviously has gone through a lot of changes to stay with the times. But it's also stayed the same in uh, quite a lot of uh, places. I was wondering what you guys thought about that and, you know, how it's changed from, like, the 80s with Breakfast Club and all those classic movies to today. Um, I definitely think there's a difference um, between those two categories. We have, like, the older um, 80s coming-of-age movies, which really focus on um, social commentary. Not that the present ones do, but I feel like it's more obvious. Um, I also think that a lot of it focuses heavily on like commenting on life and growing up in that climate. Which again, same as the present ones, but there's a different feel to it, obviously, because they're different generations. I feel like the present ones are Yeah, like it's more of a like an individual journey mm-hmm. rather than yeah. a general journey that the audience like relates to. It's more of a like you can pick things out that you relate to in the present one whereas mm-hmm. the older ones kind of like generalize like Breakfast Club where they talk about like literally every issue a teenager could have under the sun. Yeah. Breakfast Club it's such a broad um, topic because, you know, essentially it's five stereotypes in a room. You know what I mean? It's five stereotypes in a room and then there's the teacher who is also a stereotype and they're kind of trying to figure out who they are. And it's good in a broad sense, you know, when you're looking at Breakfast Club and you're trying to figure out like this is the, this is what people grew up with at the time and this is you know a lot of people might have taken this movie to heart and they might have used it as their own coming of age and they relate to the characters but it's so different when you compare it to something you know something like lady bird or, or other and that is such a that is such a like close character study and it's much different than the broad strokes that breakfast club takes yeah i also want to comment on just how like different that journey could be in the sense that in the 80s 90s coming of age movies we kind of get like a little more 
worldly angst. Like, mm-hmm. it almost like, if you notice, reflects how maybe your parents or your grandparents feel about the world. They're, they were always afraid of growing up. And I feel like that's really reflected in those movies. Like, there's almost like a fear yeah. of growing up. Whereas in older ones like Edge of Seventeen, there's a hope to grow up and to be more mature and to be able to handle certain situations as an adult. So I think it's really interesting because it kind of reflects, I mean, not reflects, highlights um, how different our generations think of maturing and growing up and entering the adult world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was going to add that. I think also a lot of newer coming-of-age movies really like highlight how people can be flawed and that's okay. Like, I was thinking the movie Booksmart, like these characters... They might seem like they're perfect at first, but then you can see that they have a lot of flaws. And same with Lady Bird, like it really like uncovers um, that even the main character doesn't have to be perfect. And I think that's really cool and really It's a very cool. good message to have because um, obviously nobody's perfect, but some people might be brought up to believe that they should be. And to look at something like, you know, Edge of Seventeen or Ladies Bird, Lady Bird, and to um, to see that they're not perfect, and to go off of that and be inspired by that, it's a very powerful message to uh, to portray through the art form. Yeah, I think um, you were talking um, about this earlier too. Like, I feel like a lot of older coming of age movies, maybe not just a lot of them, some of them focus more on like a group dynamic and like all of them going through a sort of coming mm-hmm. of age moment. Um, and I feel like a lot these days focus more on like one or two people, and then like you know, the people around them, but it's mostly about one, like Lady Bird, Eighth Grade is about sort of one person, Booksmart's about two. Um, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl is kind of about one, but it's it's portrayed to be that whole, like the three of them, but yeah, it's really feel, just about the main guy. I feel like, I guess that's how everyone feels when they're growing up. It's like, you're the center of your world because that's how you view it and you have like the people around you who are like you know, always with you and they sort of, you know, obviously impact your life in a big way. I feel like coming of age movies especially are really good at, you know, displaying that. But um, also like a lot of other movies Mm -hmm. like The Breakfast Club or Stand By Me. um, Yeah, it's like, you know, a little group and you see their dynamic and the way they change. Ferris Bueller is such a good one. I I definitely agree with the group dynamic. But I also want to add on that one of the exceptions was definitely 16 Candles. Um, I feel like it was a little more unique for that time. Um, we have Molly Ringwald, who is very popular, you know, in the, in those movies, specifically coming of age. She's in, um, at, what was she in? Oh, yeah, Breakfast Club. She was in the other one, um, Pretty in Pink, yeah. Anthony Michael Hall. He was in Weird yeah, Science. Yeah, he was also in it. And mm-hmm. John Hughes, the, the ruler. John Hughes, he basically made, I feel like he's a huge pioneer of the genre and a lot of what come, comes out today, especially, um, I remember reading an article around the time uh, Spider-Man Homecoming came out, and I remember that the director for that took heavy inspiration of the classic John Hughes movies, and he wanted the high school setting for that movie to be very similar. And I think that just goes to show how poignant and how relevant the genre can be and how it kind of transcends like even while it's evolving it's still here and it's 
Yeah, it's here. Fun fact: Homecoming was actually recorded in Bronx Science. Really? Yeah.、Um, I'm pretty sure some students like saw him and everything、it、was really cool for them.、Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty interesting. That you know they, even though it's set in Queens, that's fictional science school school that Peter goes to.、Yes. I think it was really cool that they really wanted to relate to students, and so they actually chose like a, a good example of what and a very、um, intelligent、uh, high school would be like. So I think that was pretty interesting. It's also cool to see.、Um, this has nothing to do with coming of age, but it's really cool to see that, you know, a lot of times when a movie decides to set itself in New York, they'll always record in like Chicago or Vancouver. <laughs>、yeah. But、um, this was actually filmed in New York,、yeah. so that's just a cool little thing that they did. It makes it a little more closer to home, I guess. So that's cool. So, moving on to kind of our definitions of what. Uh, a coming of age movie would be. I do want to start by saying that I emphasize heavy on it being kind of like the awkward struggle of youth. Like it's meant to kind of make us cringe and be like, "Why are you doing that?" Because it it kind of shows us like this is kind of you know this is how you were when you were younger, and it's it's something that we regret, but also very relatable.、Uh, and I also think some key. Uh, kind of、um, traits or characteristics of these movies are definitely angst, romance, hijinks, and clever one-liners. I feel like、yes. those are all very important elements to this because, at least the ones I've seen, that's basically the big formula of it all. Yeah, I think a highlight on the awkward is definitely essential. Because like even when you look at stuff like Mean Girls and you have the Rachel McAdams character and she's like she's the popular girl, but even she is still awkward. And I think you know like like it's everybody. It's not just the nerds who are awkward. <laughs> it's everybody, and I think that's a very important part of it. Yeah, I never really noticed that she was meant to be a little less serious until、yeah. I rewatched it very recently and I saw her like. Be kind of hypocritical about her diet in the beginning before she was given those bars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was like,、um, "Is bread a carb or something like that?" Or she was like, "You know, I'll just get pizza." Like it was、yeah. those moments that was kind of like, "Oh, you know, she's not like this calculating evil bitch. She's very much still she's a human being. Yeah, she's a t- yeah. still a teenager who doesn't really understand that life beyond high school is totally different." And I think that was really cool. Yeah, definitely. And、um, that sort of early two thousands era of、um, coming of age, I think also. I feel like it's not really spoken about enough. You know, like Mean Girls stuff like that, and that kind of stuff has actually transcended film. And now, like you'll see Mean Girls on Broadway. That just that's another thing that goes to show how popular it is. Definitely, and. To add on to that, we also can consider Heather's、oh, as Heather's. coming of age.、Um, I almost forgot about it. I was like, "Wait、Because、a minute!" I love that. Heather's essentially mean girls, but instead of pranking them, they murder them. So, yeah,、fun. I think it's also very focused on、um, maybe not a group dynamic, but definitely a duo.、Um, and can we kind of see?、Um, I I know a lot of teens could probably relate to a sour relationship and kind of. Relate to how it feels 
not necessarily the same yeah. as the actual movie where you <laughs> they kill people and blow try to blow things up but it's like um it, it's representative of that feeling i guess that you know like dread of first love then you realize yeah oh, shit, it's that it's crazy. everyone's been in a relationship <laughs> like that and i feel like again it's echoed you see the winona Ryder and christian slater dynamic and you can transfer that to stuff that's happened before or you can transfer that to stuff that's happened very recently you can see the Sorcha Ronan and Timothy Chalamet in the Winona Ryder and Christian Slater, I feel like, in a lot of different ways. If I'm being honest, I didn't like Lady Bird. Really? I, I did not like Lady Bird. I don't know why something about it irked me, just how Juno irks me. Juno's a can of I don't... That movie I, is... I, it's a lot. It's a lot. I, I definitely feel like coming-of-age movies can be done wrong, mm -hmm. and Juno's a great example of it. Um, especially when there's an emphasis on quirky one-liners a little too much and like trying to be kind of like this edgy indie type of movie where Juno uses a lot of like weird I think kind that, of I metaphors. I think that was the humor at the time because correct me if I'm wrong, Juno was like what, 2009, 2010 Elliot yeah, Page was, just, was very was big so then. Weird. Michael Sarah was going into Scott Pilgrim. He was really big then. And that was really the indie kind of quirky. We're going to have a lot of little one-liners and like hand-drawn artwork. And it's all scribble, yeah. scrabble, stick figures. And obviously it doesn't age well. And maybe it wasn't even that good at the time. But um, it exists. And that's the problem. <laughs> But, I mean, it definitely is coming of age. They do have a, a decent message in it in that, you know, you have to mature to make these tough decisions. It's kind of hard. But at the same time, it's a little, like, backwards because I feel having Juno be, like, guilted out of having an abortion was very controversial but i think not so much for the time as it is now only because it's like you know there's a million ways the movie could have gone with juno keeping the baby um putting it up for adoption like she did or having an abortion and going through that and it was just an interesting way of making her choose adoption yeah. in terms of uh teen pregnancy representation it's definitely not a textbook role model i feel like especially in today's standards um so that's definitely something to keep into consideration do you guys have any honorable mentions or your definitions of what you think a coming of age movie should be yeah i was gonna mention like something that i think is a key component of coming of age movies is that a main character will want to really change something about themselves and then at the end they'll realize that they actually didn't need to change that, which I think is like really cliche, but also like you see that in so many movies, like one of my favorites, 13 going on 30, like how she wants to be so much older than she actually is and wants to be so much more popular, but then realizes that the friends that she had were really the best to begin with. Two things I want to talk about. One sort of for my definition, I guess, is just relatability, which goes into what you were talking about, Carmela. Obviously, everybody had like an awkward phase. So that's a really important thing. Um, and I find like no matter who the character is, I feel like I can relate to a part of them. Um, and I think something that's also important, if a coming of age movie does it really well, like multiple generations can relate to it. Like I remember 
when I saw eighth grade, I was, I had like just come out of eighth grade. So obviously I was like really related to that. But I also saw it with my sister who's 10 years older than me and she related to the character in a, you know, different way. And then our mom saw it with us too. And she, you know, also related in her own way. And I think, um, like being able to do that, being able to like, you know, reach across generations for this, even if it's for different reasons is really, um, impressive and can sort of tell if you can stand the test of time. Is that the saying? Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, that's definitely a good example of it because what's the point of making a movie if it doesn't transcend those generational barriers, you mm -hmm. know? Art is meant to be shared. Yeah, and yeah. not to mention, like, there are older movies that can definitely relate to younger, gen you know, younger audiences, and I think that a movie that can do that is perfect for you know being coming of age I, yeah anything else is it it is under the genre but it's not like for me it's not, it's not a staple yeah. yeah because when i was younger my cousin would emphasize you know you should watch this movie you should watch that movie and i never got it until one day i like one of those movies because not all of them clicked but one of them i forget which one definitely clicked with me and it became one of my favorites um i it might have been i think it's on the list it might have been 10 things i hate about that's you a good one the heath ledger yeah that's yes i really love that movie and clueless clueless is a big one mm -hmm. i love clueless and 10 things i hate about you they're one of my two of my favorite coming of age movies and the idea that someone who's like 20 years older than me could suggest something that she related to and then I related to was really interesting and I found that enjoyable. Not to say that it can relate to being a rich girl in California, yeah, exactly. but it, it was just like little moments that kind of got to me and I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the good thing about, um, about stuff like this where some of it is very subjective like we just like we were talking about earlier you really don't like ladybird i think it's just fine i think it's pretty okay <laughs> um but there are obviously other things that some people may have a really strong distaste for but there might also be people out there who are like the number one fan of juno and think it's the second coming and it's the best movie ever <laughs> you know what i mean they're yeah, oh, god, god. <laughs> they gave birth to god <laughs> um <laughs> and that's great for them if they if a person wakes up one day and says Juno is my favorite movie of all time and it helped me get through middle school or high school or whatever that's awesome because then it did its job and if even if it's just for one person then that's still good because that's that's the point I think um another quick thing I want to bring up that we are also sort of talking about a little bit is this isn't like an a thing of like plot but talking about like what makes a coming of age movie i think over the years there are definitely like we were talking about actors that are like in so many of them and now, now that we've been talking about more i've been thinking of them so like obviously the 80s like you had molly ringwald and a lot of them anthony michael hall Corey feldman is in a ton of them he was in the goonies stand by me he was in lost boys like goonies a bunch a of all those other you young really, ones you don't even really think of it movie. as a coming age because it's really like an adventure and stuff mm -hmm. that's a, a big group one, one. Yeah, and then in the 90s, Winona Ryder is obviously a really big one. She's in Heather's Johnny Little Woman. Um, a phase of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh, That's a good one. Oh, like DiCaprio. He was in a lot of them. Yeah, and then that was amazing. In like the early 2000s, um, like we said, Elliot Page, Michael Sarah. Um, there are other ones. 
Who's? Oh my God. I, I, I have another confession that might be a little controversial. Oh, you don't like Scott Pilgrim? No, I can't stand. I cannot stand Michael. Scott. No, I feel like that's not so that's unpopular. I get it. I get the hate. I think he's kind of funny, and it's fun to make fun of him. But I can understand how yeah. some people really, it, it, you know, it gets on your nerves. And I feel like he's he's kind of niche in that regard. If I'm being honest, it also roots back to Juno because I loved him in Arrested mm-hmm. Development, but. Which I guess in a way is coming of age for his character, but yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's like not the point crazy. of the show. I don't. Think. Yeah, that's not the. Ordi- but um, he was wearing these jogger, really short <laughs> jogger shorts in Juno, and his like junk was very visible, which Juno was like lusting over, and I was just so disgusted <laughs> that I could not ever see him the same you were way disgusted, again. But the person who thinks Juno is a masterpiece is at that framed. <laughs> Oh my god no you're right it, it's definitely subjective um i think it's important to acknowledge that to certain people these movies even if you hated it is really yeah. important to them and i think that that's the uniqueness of coming of age movies no matter how bad it is if you know there's always someone who yeah. can relate to it but um i definitely think we should Maybe list top fives. Yeah, just we very could see. Um, we could see how many inner, you know, how many intersect and who's got what on their list. I think that'd be really cool if we go around the table. Let's start over there. Oh God, I was gonna <laughs> say don't start with me. I, I feel like top five. You could do a top three if you can't think of Good five. Question. Okay, I mean, I think there are a lot of ones I like. Stand by me is obviously a big one. The Goonies, you know, I don't know if you really consider that. You throw it on there. I, I think it's you yeah. know it's a popular one. Mm-hmm. I love Perks of Being a Wallflower. I think that mm. one was so well done, book and yeah. movie. Ezra Miller um, kind of sucks, but that's not. That's well, not, yes, but in oh, the in yeah. the moment, they were all right. Um, what are some other ones that were like? I guess popular when we were younger. Guys, remember Sky High? No, but remember Sky High? <laughs> well, you know, a lot of Pixar and Disney yeah. movies are coming of age, so you could say Nemo. Oh, that's a good Is one. Nemo coming of age? Yeah, a little bit. Sharkboy and Lava Girl he is a coming of age film. The film masterpiece, yes, <laughs> with George yes. Lopez. If, if I was on the last podcast, the Guilty Pleasures one, that would have been mine because I just watched it recently and it, it's one of like the worst things I've ever seen. But it's also <laughs> so good. And genuinely, there is a lot of character development for Max. No, there is. Yeah, it was surprisingly good like build up in his character. And I feel like it's really funny for small movies like that. Spy, Spy Kids, Kids is a good one. Oh, those two. Spy I Kids. Love Spy Kids. <laughs> but anyway, we'll definitely do an um, episode Robert Rodriguez on and all of his nostalgia, wacky maybe? movies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or that. a good one, though. Oh, that's yeah, all Shark him. Yeah, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, Spy Kids. I think that's all him. And ironically enough, Machete. Oh. Those movies. So him. <laughs> oh, also, quick okay. sidebar two podcast episodes in a row with George Lopez movies. No. How crazy is that? Can we start a trend? Find out next time. We're always going to fit him in. If we mention George Lopez again. (laughs) Where's George? (laughs) If we ever do um, a recording, he'll just like. We should send an email out. We'll put him on the show. (laughs) Get George Lopez on your phone. Oh my God. We can just talk about his uh, catalog and the George Lopez show and how. That's a coming of age. Everybody woke up to George Lopez at 3 a.m. at least once in their life. Full House, too. Yeah, or friend. Oh my God. Something like that. Oh, wait, no, wait, that's the Law & Order thing. You were on a different channel. <laughs> oh, my God. Da, 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 da. 
that was the one. But um, back to your list. Oh my gosh, I can't. What are like other? I'm thinking of ones. I love Lady Bird. I know. Um, you, you don't love it. You're, so much. you're, you're making enemies um, over here. <laughs> call, call me by your name. A coming of age film. Yes. That, okay. Yes. Yes. Hard. Yeah, yes. It. My number one movie ever. So that one. Okay. Mm. Oh well. The, yeah. Uh, you're right. With the sex cannibal. So cool that movie is Timothy Chalamet gets eaten by. Army no. Hammer. He. Okay. The it's next. This is off, obviously off topic. Sorry. But Luca Guadagnino, who made that one, his next film, literally Timothy Chalamet plays a cannibal. The one that's coming out, it's called Bones and All. Ooh. I'm so serious. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, right off the bat of the uh, right, right off the Full bat circle. from uh, Dahmer being released on Netflix. Oh God! Into this. Oh, we we're gonna get <laughs> yeah. into that because I have a, a lot of opinions. Episode. True crime. So, true crime. <laughs> we'll get into <laughs> it. Later. What are your favorite? Um, what are my favorite? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> oh, no. For the fifth, I, I think I'm gonna have to go with me and Earl and a dying girl. Um, first time I watched it, I was on a plane. So it was really oddly censored, but the second time I watched it, I rented it, and I just love I, it's, it's such a it's such a nice movie. Well, it's not nice; it's very morbid, but I, it's got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of character. The way they like to remake all these classic films and everything, and um, it's Olivia Cook, right? I think it's Olivia. She's amazing in that movie. The amount she of emotion. Rachel. Is that her name? Yeah, she played Rachel in the movie. Um, really great performance from her. Um, you get a little John Bernthal as the teacher. He's really good. And I feel like he kind of just pops up everywhere, but he's only in the movie for like five minutes. He is so John amazing. Bernthal? Yeah. We all I love, love John him Bernthal for different reasons. <laughs> Maybe not. No. Um, yeah, so we're going to put Me and Earl and the Dying Girl at number five. This one has a real um, order. I was just like, what is this one? Number four? I don't know. Maybe uh, we'll throw Breakfast Club on there because I feel like I kind of have to. You know the little. Mm. I don't know. I feel. It, I feel. But if you have to, is it? No, because really I like. I I genuinely enjoy that movie. Like if it's on, like I'll be flipping through HBO or whatever, and it's on, I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it. I like. I, I like it. It's <laughs> it's got some really funny, like the lunch scene when they're all, and she's putting the pixie sticks on the sandwich. It's fun. I like it. Yeah. Uh, other other other, other parts of that parody. movie might not be great, but. There are also some really nice parts of that movie that I kind of enjoy. Um, let's see. Heathers is on there because I love Winona Ryder with all my heart. And I love watching Winona Ryder murder people. Um, yeah. What's number two? I guess Mean Girls. Mean Girls is really funny. Tina Fey. Lindsay Lohan. And number one. Well, actually, a little honorable mention. I want to talk about It. Oh, because wait, 2017? Oh. Yeah, okay, the, the, both both of them. The first the 20, one. And oh. chapter two. Well, part, part, part one is more coming of age than part I two. I love that movie. A lot of, peop yeah. a lot of people don't That's consider really Stephen King. They don't look at him like this. But a lot of his movies are actually coming of age. A lot of his books are coming yeah. of age Stand stories. by me is a Stephen King Stand, Stand by me, yeah. obviously. Um, but it, a lot of people don't think of it like that. But especially the stuff with Beverly is very metaphorically... Um, her coming to terms with her womanhood. Everyone's getting rid of, getting ready to uh, get rid of their fears and everything. They go over it more in the book, but movie-wise, I think it's a really good um, coming-of-age thing. It's not on my list because it's it's it, but except for the I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> We're talking about the movie. We're not talking about the book. Uh, when <laughs> I'm not <laughs> going to mention it. Don't mention it. it because then it's not on my list. <laughs> 
for those of you who know, if you know, you know. You if know. you read it, then you know what we're talking about. If you didn't read it, you're very lucky, and I'm happy for you. I wish I was you, <laughs> but I'm not. And number one, was it in detail? Probably. Oh my it's, god! It's disgusting. I <laughs> because they're like 15. Um, my number one pick. This is kind of niche, but it's my favorite movie of all time. It's Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine is my favorite Ooh. movie ever. I could talk for hours about it. It's got an amazing message and amazing cast. Is it it's because you're colorblind? It, yes. Oh my God. It's peak Paul Dano. It's peak Tony Collette. It's the girl from Zombieland. Ooh. She's amazing. And it's Steve Carell. I could go on for hours about this movie. I love this movie so much. Wait, which girl? Abigail Breslin. Uh, from Not Emma Mims Stone. Island. I thought you were talking about Emma Stone. Because I was like, you really forgot Emma Stone. <laughs> now, anyway, Little Miss Sunshine's amazing. <laughs> I love Little Miss Sunshine. It has such a good message about being yourself and, you know, positivity. I, I just, I love that movie so much. That's my favorite movie ever, <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine. And that's it. That's my top five. Did I, did I steal your one? I'm kind of mad because you stole my niche pick. I was going to say Little Miss Sunshine, yeah. But yeah, I just love that movie. My favorite part is when she goes up to the um, yeah the one who had won the competition previously, and she's like, this is like, I like ice yeah. cream too. And it's just like, it's so sweet. Cause, but yeah, um, so my other movies on the list, 10 Things I Hate About You which oh, Carmela also mentioned. I want to be Julia Stiles' character. She's just the coolest person in the world. Um, and then yeah. also Booksmart, which I mentioned earlier, because I really relate to Beanie Feldstein's character. Um, I spent so much of high school thinking that I was the smartest person, yeah. and then that made me better than other people, which I was so wrong I think a about. Lot of, I feel like a lot of people think um, that. I, I, I then, at one point thought I was like the huge brainiac, yeah. and then you get to college, and you find out just how stupid you right. actually are. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, so I was actually yeah. like, it was good to watch that movie, because it really helped me realize that. And then, I don't know if this counts as a coming-of-age movie, but Lemonade Mouth. Oh, my like, God. I, <laughs> that definitely. Just, yes. Okay, good. Because I am obsessed with that like movie. Like every Disney Channel original movie. You're right. DCOMs yeah. hold a special place, and I think in a, a lot of like early 2000s people's hearts, because they're always on. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go on Disney Channel at least like once a week, you're going to find it eventually. You're going to see like Lemonade. Halloween Town or something if it's October, or high school music, uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're always Girl there. Girl vs. Monster. Yeah. That was, I don't know why I liked it so much because I watched it again and I was like, ugh, it's kind of bad. Yeah. And then my number one, which I mentioned earlier, was 13 Going on 30. Um, I first watched it because I found the DVD in a thrift store for a dollar. And I love Mark Ruffalo, so I couldn't resist. And there's a scene in that movie that's the funniest scene, I think, ever. It's when Mark Ruffalo is dancing to Thriller by Michael Jackson. And it's just hilarious. He does a funny little dance. He's uh, he, he's kind of awkward. That's kind of Mark Ruffalo's signature thing. He's kind of awkward, but he kind of knows yeah. what he's doing. He's like a exactly. hot, awkward little Yeah, he's guy. just like a little goofball. Yeah. We love him. He's the whole. He's Hulk. definitely like the mousy, brown-haired kind of yeah. lead who's like he's trying to be cool unintentionally attractive he's trying to be cool yeah. but he's like not like whoever first saw him in Avengers because they changed the actor yeah. Edward Norton R.I.P. he was too R.C. for yeah. the MCU. like everyone was just kind of like oh yeah there he is it's him and he got all big and green <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, wait a minute. But yeah, that's my top five. So I'll pass it off to Carmela. So I hate to say it, but I have a top. <laughs> oh, all right, everyone get your popcorn. I can't, time for the top I can't pick between them. I really can't. So this is not in chronological order. I do not love one too much more than the other. So the list I'm about to say, it's purely just me throwing favorites on the page. I had much more. Would you consider this this a definitive list? If people had never seen a coming of age story before, would you tell them, watch these 10 movies and you'll be I absolutely do. Yes, because I I have to say that one of them is going to blow your socks off. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) It is number one. Spirited Away. Oh, that's a yeah. I, you know, I, never, I never would have thought about that. That movie kind of traumatized me, but we're not going to talk about <laughs> the it. The pigs. <laughs> the pigs. Yeah, I can't over because I, I don't want to turn into a pig. <laughs> I love Spirited Away. The visuals are beautiful as always. Um, the story was honestly when I was little, and when the audience is little, they don't really understand it. But you can kind of um, see when you're older, you know, you get braver. She got braver as the story went on. And it was just a very good plot. And yeah, it's it's a lovely movie. I recommend it to All everybody. All of those Ghibli movies are phenomenal works of art. The animation quality and the storytelling is really great. And a lot of people I don't love- talk about anime. Especially movies, they don't really take it seriously. But there's some really good stuff in there if you're willing to look. I definitely have a, a few um, animated ones on here. So, you know, I feel like it's very important to acknowledge that animated movies are just as important. There's a lot of work and effort put into them, and it shouldn't be written off as a kid's movie like and just that because, you know, there's a lot of depth to them. Um, so, like we said, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Uh, I loved the story i think it was a good example of focusing on the personal journey and at the same time kind of discovering yourself through your friends because i feel like that was a big plot point that the main character he didn't really know himself until he met them Uh, another one is clueless as i said very very much a favorite um, Paul Rudd was in it, so you know, of course, banger. instant. Um, we we won't talk about the age, or the fact that they are siblings as much. Ex step that they're step. Well, yeah, they're not related, so I feel like that's good. And according to Cher, their parents were barely married. So barely married. That's a I. So, you know, we won't talk about that. And the fact that the dad kind of shipped it. <laughs> Anyways. So what's next? Um, <laughs> Edge of Seventeen. I love Edge of Seventeen. I think it's such a good movie. I think it doesn't focus too much on making the main character in the right. Because a lot of the time, her actions are wrong. But I will argue that, you know, if you're a best friend since you were like four fucked your brother like randomly after like a night while you were in the house like i would be pissed yeah. too like there's no she was in the right for being upset 
I just think at some point she just had to let it go and she wouldn't. And that's where it gets fuzzy, which I love because it makes the audience think about like the dynamics and it's really tricky because from the brother's point of view you know he's like he has to, he had to step up as the man of the house after their dad died and from the sister's point of view Naveen um you know she's always been considered like the messed up child who can't do anything right in her mom's eyes so I feel like it's something that the audience has to think about and no I didn't spoil it the dad being dead is totally a plot This is point. a spoiler-free episode of Real Talk, unlike yes. last week, which got really spoilery really quick. <laughs> In-depth spoiling. Um, next, we have uh, 16 Candles. I'm not saying that it's a great movie, because we have to acknowledge how messed up all the stereotypes were, especially against Asian people and also against women. Um... But it is a classic, and it, it it's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I have to, it's what I it is. I feel like you could say, like, you know, I touched on it with Breakfast Club. There's, and obviously you're going to touch on it. It's, um, there's a lot of stuff, like obviously the under the table scene, where um, yeah. obviously that did that aged very poorly. And the makeover scene too is just kind of, um, but again, there are, it's it's kind of half and half, I feel like, because there are bits that are really good in the movie, and obviously there's a reason that Sixteen Candles is on your list. But there's also parts where it's, you know. Yeah, if, if I'm being honest, Sixteen Candles is not redeemable. Um, it's one of those movies where, like, almost everything you kind you can kind of pick apart and be like, this is really mm. bad. But it's on there because at the time it meant something to a lot of people. So that's why I put it on there. Um, definitely see it for yourself. See what I mean. Um, and kind of acknowledge that messed up part of it. Um, next we have Bring It On. I like Bring It On. I think it's very fun. But I also think it gives a good window into... Um, the idea of cultural appropriation, um, racism. I think that it should have been a little more plot heavy on that. I feel like they lost the opportunity because they followed, you know, the main character who's this white girl who's also having a romance. Um, Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst, Kirsten Dunst. And, um, I feel like they lost the opportunity to kind of push more on that social aspect of the coming of age. Um, but in the end, to be honest, it's a little fuzzy for me. In the end, I'm pretty sure the resolution was good, as always. But I feel like it could have been better, mm. which is why I'm going to say that see it for yourself and you decide. But I definitely think that they missed a lot of good points there but it was still a very enjoyable movie there's a reason why scenes like that were in ariana grande's <laughs> music video um was it uh does anyone remember what the song no she, no she did like her music video what were scenes from like 13 going on 30 um let's google it it was bring it on um, i think mean girls was in there i'm pretty sure they did mean girls I yeah i think i remember hearing about it but i never 
I'm not really a huge Ariana Grande. Really, Dylan, you are it. Yeah, she definitely did that music video, uh, and she used some characters from Victorious, actually. She invited um, Robbie, Liz Gillies. Yeah, honestly, I don't remember. Thank you, Next, when she did the the Mean Girls Christmas thingy. Ah, yes, yes, that one. Um, So, yeah, there's a reason. Obviously, it's very important in pop culture. She chose those specific movies. So... Um, again, those are staples of, of coming of age. So definitely check mm-hmm. it out. And a couple more, as I said, 10 things I hate about you. Um, turning red. That's a good recent one. Yes. I loved turning red. I think I've watched it like 10 times since it came out. I think it's beautifully animated. Um, I think the story was really good the dynamic with her friend group was very good which was actually interesting because we were talking about the the group thing and um it was one of the more modern examples of that which we we don't see often really realistic example of it too yeah i think it was very realistic i can i could definitely see myself at their age doing the exact same thing and even if you weren't into boy bands like that because you know it was in this was set in 2002 i i was just yeah. born when it was mi- like when it was set but um it was really relatable which is cool because you can see that they go back to a past generation to relate to a new one which i thought was pretty cool because you know they coming of age usually reflects the current environment so that was awesome i think they definitely like pushed it towards that crowd yeah. but also towards a new crowd um so definitely check that that out if you haven't it's a really good modern example of doing coming of age right there's equal parts funny relatable and they i think they really did um a good job of respecting the culture of um of may uh i i I love that they included her the temple and they included the story of the ancestors into the whole um story so not gonna spoil it so definitely check it out definitely don't spoil it this is a spoiler free episode and finally uh if you haven't seen it it's on netflix it's called dumplin no one's seen it it, so oh my god it's so good so basic overall thing is that um dumplin is set in the south and it's about um and um a plus-sized woman plus-sized teenager sorry who has a mom who's in like the southern beauty pageants and that's like the whole culture of her upbringing and it kind of shows like that she feels inadequate in that kind of environment because her mom's all about being skinny uh, going on fad diets, exercising to Jennifer Aniston. Yes, Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> being um, you know model pageant perfect, and then we have the dynamic of her sister, who was also plus sized, and she was really sweet. Um, she basically raised Dumplin when Jennifer Aniston was out doing pageants, and it was. I loved it. It had a very warm quality to it, especially the scenes with the ant, because um, the whole thing was driven by Dolly Parton. 
very Dolly Parton centric. Lot all of her songs were on it. Um, they often quoted her songs. I like the southern accents. <laughs> that part I think was really comforting, and just the resolution. Um, there was definitely a group dynamic in that one as well, and it was ugh, it was so good. Music amazing. Diversity was pretty good,、um, both in sexuality and in race and body size. So that was really good, and just overall like comfort movie. I can't say I relate to it, but that's because I'm not from the south.、Mm-hmm. I feel like girls from the south would probably understand that, you know, southern belle beauty pageant environment.、Um, but it was it was still a good watch.、Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my list. But I do want to make it known that it is Hispanic History Month, and as such, I think it's only right to mention some、uh, coming-of-age Latin、uh, main character kind of movies. I think that would be really good to、um, just to keep just to round not only round off the.、Uh The plot of the podcast, but also to keep it relevant with today. And yeah, I definitely think we should discuss the importance of it because while doing the list, I've noticed that there's not a lot of them, and when there are, it's mainly animated. And I mean this in the American cinema standard, not any other standard, because I feel like. We should definitely focus on representation in American media, especially since the U.S. is so diverse. Yes. So,、um, does anyone have any ideas, or do you want me to list off the few I have and go off from、um, there? Yeah, definitely get the ball rolling because I'm gonna need a minute to think. So I have four. That's all I could really think of.、Um, and the fourth one, I think I really clawed at it a little bit. So it's there.、Um, I put Coco. Coco, that's my、I've, number. Yeah, Coco's a really good one. Coco's really good, and it is definitely coming of age.、Uh, very beautiful, very on theme for also Dia de los Muertos. So spooky, very close. Very soon.、Um, then we have Encanto.、Um, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, I feel like that is a very important one because it's very recent, and a lot of people related to it. The amount of people. On TikTok, who have talked about relating to Luisa, because even though Mirabel was the main character, her sisters got a lot of the relatability factor.、Mm-hmm. Um, so did Bruno. Bruno, yeah. Well,、too. no, they no they liked him. Like, oh, yeah, they were attracted to him. It wasn't like you don't want, you don't want not, none of the loners in the room. I mean, yeah, but a well, lot I mean, of literally, he's no Ryan Gosling. He's no <laughs> guy, but. I see what you're saying. Yeah,、yes. no, I could see that then. Yeah, but that's what I've seen mainly. But apparently, a lot of little girls looked up to the strength of Luisa and older siblings, like the oldest、um, girl, the oldest sisters, really loved like their characters.、Um, next, I don't know if you guys, you probably have、um, the Book of Life. It is really good.、Um, very unique animation. It's not claymation; it's like wood figurines. Is it stop motion?、Mm-hmm. That I'm not too sure about. It just it looks really cool. I think it was very unique for its time, and 
the way they did it kind of reminded me a little bit of El Tigre. Oh, I, I remember that show. Yes, I love that show. So I liked, I enjoyed it for that reason. And finally, into the Spider-Verse. Yes. Miles Morales, he is definitely up there. Um, I don't think it's a... <laughs> Sorry, they're singing outside. We have, a little, we have a little soundtrack to go with our episode today. <laughs> they should sing, uh, they should sing uh, the entire Encanto soundtrack, please. <laughs> I definitely yeah. think Into the Spider-Verse is not as acknowledged as coming of age, but if you think about it, he... A lot of, yeah. a lot of people consider Miles Morales... Well, he is, but a lot of people, they focus on the African-American side of his heritage, not really so much the... Uh, Puerto Rican. The Puerto Rican side, and I think it's criminally underlooked, and it's a really good, inclusivity-wise, to get... Um, someone in the superhero genre that other people can look up to except you know not just white people but everybody yeah and uh, thankfully we're starting to see that more in the genre with stuff like black panther america chavez america chavez um, um who was the other miss marvel just came out over the summer that was another really good one that's not really a movie but it probably it's a six-hour movie i feel like america chavez definitely deserves more of a Yes. yes. Focus. Maybe mm. a movie, maybe not, maybe show. I definitely think there's more stuff in the works for that character. Um, I don't know how much I can say because I don't know, but I think they're setting up for more stuff. So that's good to see. Mm-hmm. And obviously Black Panther coming out in November. That's got a lot of buzz around it. And you know what? Um, Namor, it's interesting because um, they actually switched his um, character he was originally just supposed to be an Atlantean, but obviously, I th- I believe um, Aquaman, the second one, is coming out relatively near the same time. No, the second one is coming out, right? I think it got delayed. Oh, yeah. Well, I know it's set around that time, or it yeah. was at the time of them filming Black Panther 2, so I feel like they wanted to separate the two characters. So they made him, um, I believe, indigenous um, to Mexico. Uh, yeah, I don't I, remember. They definitely did a race swap, which is very cool. Yeah, I, I appreciate it because from what I can see, his costume was very good. I think yeah. they did a very good job of representing indigenous um, kind of uh, apparel. Um, you see he has the, um, I don't know exactly what it's called. He um the nose piercing that he had mm-hmm. he also, also the neckwear yes that whole and is very the warrior kind of um outfit that he has on mm-hmm. is very you can tell they definitely did their research on it and they kept the green briefs from the comic i can't so say it's a double win exactly i can't say how accurate it is to the culture um i would need to do more research but i can definitely see they put a decent amount of um effort into just that character and incorporating that extreme difference in his character because then that brings up a whole new like not inspiration um a whole new um (sighs) crap oh my god iteration no not iteration motivation gives him a whole new motivation for why he is the way he is what he's gonna do mm-hmm. it gives a, a lot more depth yeah. to the character so to honor 
um, Hispanic Heritage Month, I think we should um, acknowledge this big plot point in um, just Marvel history, but also to keep in mind that this can also go a different way because as we all know from the trailer, Namor, Namor is a an, an antagonist. Yeah. So it can be also played really poorly, just like how people were making jokes about America Chavez being like her ability being like border hopping with her her yeah i've yeah. already i've already i've already seen um i've already seen jokes or memes on the internet about namor and um it's you're right i think it's important that we try and stray away from that um obviously with internet culture being how it is it's kind of hard to avoid but um you know diversity in the media like that it's going to it's going to bring stuff like that up to the forefront but i think that <laughs> what is happening do you, i'm gonna yeah just being um like you said it's important to be respectful while also being representative because i feel like that line is often not observed especially when we look at the layers to characters like we should really focus on like what are you trying to imply with these characters how are we representing them just how we were talking about in beverly hills chihuahua oh my god we were yes. talking about how it's interesting that they made chloe a white chihuahua mm -hmm. but poppy a brown chihuahua and he was like supposed to be represented as like this dirty gardener and it was, and she's like the posh, rich girl that's like untouchable. So I think it's really important to keep in mind those stereotypes accidentally slipping through and us as the audience not keeping in mind that, you know, those can be harmful, especially to younger generations who will be watching these movies. Um, but yeah, does anyone else have any ideas? Uh I think just that, you know, hopefully going forward in the future, we see a lot more coming of age films um, with Hispanic main characters, you know, like you would think it wouldn't be hard to find like a lot of um, examples in like mainstream media, but obviously it is. And considering like, you know, it's not like there's small populations of Hispanic people, especially in America, um, you'd think there would be more coming of age films. So hopefully going forward there, there will be more made, you know, and they'll get a wide, um, a wide release, you know. I think like West Side Story. I don't know if that counts I, as I, a coming I of age. Consider, but it's more you know a kind of but you know it's high school. Yeah, yeah. it's high school. So yeah, but yeah, I mean, there you know, Hispanic heritage is really important in that. And then the original, mm -hmm. the girl who plays Maria was white, which obviously is an issue. And in this one, um, she is Hispanic. You know, which is a yeah, step in the right. I think direction. it just focuses a little too much on the romance to be an independent coming yeah. of age it's movie. It's very Spielberg-y. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which brings me to my point. I think representation with actors definitely a yes, but it also we also have to keep in mind who's behind the camera. Representation with uh, mm -hmm. directors, uh, directors of color, producers, the people who make the soundtrack, all of it goes into making a coherent movie. So even if all of your actors are persons of color, if the director is a white guy, then how much 
are you actually representing how much is being respected you know what i mean you're not getting the full picture yeah yeah i think an example for west side story um there's a lot of um dialogue in spanish and there wasn't subtitles and um what do you call it steven spielberg he was like oh well you know i i didn't put them there because you know i wanted people who speak Spanish just should be able to know and not have yeah. it or some, something along those lines. But I think um, people are like, there are a lot of Hispanic people who don't know yeah. Spanish, so that you know alienates them as well. So it's... Yeah, it, it's definitely not acknowledging that the whole point mm. was showing immigrants in America not even acknowledging the fact that those the children of Hispanic immigrants often lose the language because they're forced to because schools will fail them if they don't speak English if you know like they don't really grasp the scope of what it is to be a Hispanic person in America so I feel like in that sense they yes you are right that you know no matter what whoever's on screen it, it matters but also it's important that they're represented in the right way. And just to add on to that, um, I do think after reviewing our list, besides Spirited Away and Turning Red, I don't think there were any other like people of color in these coming-of-age movies, which brings up a really interesting question. You know, like, why aren't other cultures being represented? Yes, we do have shows. Um, oh, my God. Like, the one on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was it Never Have I Ever? Yes. Never Have I Ever is a very good show. However, it doesn't... I've heard a lot of people complain about it. Um, and I also want to acknowledge that it's not a movie. And I feel like there's so many coming of age movies and we can't list a single one with a person of color lead, especially not a black lead. I think I, there was one on the list that I was, while I was researching, um, I can look it up now, but does anyone want to comment on that while I look? I definitely, it's a, it's definitely an issue. Um, obviously when you look at the classic stuff, it's a product of the times, but there's really no excuse for it with modern media. Even when you look at, like if you look at me and Earl and the Dying Girl, Earl's there, but um, he's very much not a central point of the movie. It's really more. I'm completely blanking on the kid's name and Rachel's story, and that's even worse because um, Earl in that movie is autistic, and um, it's very. It's it's not that it's not. It's not that it's poorly uh, represented. It's just that they don't. He's just. It doesn't. Sometimes you're watching it and you feel like, well, why is he here? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter. I do have at least two examples, but even still, out of all of these, it's crazy that they're not that many. We have yeah. Moonlight. Apparently, is coming of age and. Yeah, Moonlight. I forgot completely to mention that, but that's a very good and also Ryan Coogler. Um, Black Panther director. Coming of, um, yes. Tying things together. Moonlight. Moonlight's a very dope. good movie. I don't know if anybody else has seen it. It's very good. Oh, no, I haven't seen it yet. I do want to see it. Another one is Dope, and another one is The Hate That You Give. Um, 
But really, that's yeah, not. They many. don't have the same like critical and reception even so, as a lot of ones with um, yeah. white main characters. Well, yeah. Moon- Moonlight aside, Moonlight one best picture. <laughs> yeah. But no, and it's it sucks because like obviously this is a very recent thing. I think Moonlight came out in what like 2018, 2019, 2016. Be that as it may, it's still the past five years, six years. But um, it's still really you can't really tell if this is a recent like if this is actually going to be a trend that sticks or if it was just like a a small bump in the road can i also mention um i think it's we're talking about how like relatable these movies are but then it's like how relatable can they be for other audiences if we're only focusing on these white exactly so Yeah, that's definitely like something really important. I think it like it comes recognize. down to like, not comes down, but it's on like so many different things. Like obviously, like getting actors to have good representation, and then the writers and you know directors have to be you know good. And like the you know, film students itself, like A twenty four made Moonlight, but I can't think of another A twenty four that has movie that has person of color lead, unless there are there has to be other ones, but I can't. Yeah, I mean I don't know every like in general, but the big ones I can't uh, think of. Uh, yeah, no, obviously, no, you're the biggest yeah. one that I can and think th- of that, on the top that of my head is everything everywhere, but that's not a yeah. coming of age. Yeah. Yeah. So I believe that to wrap things up with this conversation, that coming of age movies, although they are very nostalgic and they are close to our hearts, we also have to acknowledge that they can definitely evolve and mm-hmm. come to be more inclusive especially when it comes to stories that are not only about um the struggles of um you know racial prejudice and um culture sometimes people just want a genuinely fun coming of age movie um i've definitely seen that a lot um people just want something that isn't a social commentary but more so something fun for their kids to watch something that you can relate to and see as a comfort movie and i feel like in that sense we have a long way to go um in that genre so i think it's something to consider and something to definitely look out for in the future to see if any directors would take that on i think it's really good that it's such an evolving genre because obviously um trends start and stop and we see things that we haven't you know we don't we just don't see back in the day and um you know it's really good that we have something like this like a slice of life and you know it's good for everybody and hopefully in the near future it becomes a more inclusive environment but just to have movies that people can look at and see themselves in i think is is really is really important all right well, thank you all for listening, and thank you for coming, our special guests. Thanks to Jane, our editor. Yes, and thanks thank to Jane, our editor. Jane. She's the one that makes this possible. I love Jane. Ma. Love Jane. <laughs> We're going to call Ma. you Ma. <laughs> Podcast, Podcast Ma. Ma. We out. Ma.